Good morning. Well, this is a strange feeling, I will tell you. Um, <laughs> I've been up here before, but it's mostly for acting and announcements, so this is new. Uh, but before I get started, I just want to pray. So, Father, thank you for being with us this morning. Thank you for your presence, for your faithfulness, God, day in and day out. There's never been a day you haven't been faithful. I'm so grateful. Lord, I ask that you would come this morning and that you would speak to us through your word. Lord, my words won't do anything, but you can speak your word, Lord, in a way that is powerful. So will you use me? Will you speak through me? Will you show up, Lord? We need you. We want you. We love you. You're so beautiful. Will you show us yourself today, God? Show us yourself, God. We want to see you and know you. We want to worship you today. In your name I pray. Amen. So, I don't know about you, but when I started um, learning how to drive, my, my, I would drive with my parents around town, and um, they would tell me, I, at first when I started driving, I was really scared. I was like really scared. I was like, I'm going to hit someone, like I'm driving a big car and I'm going really fast, and I've never done this, and I was really scared. But uh, they kept telling me, Carissa, if you look straight in the middle of the road, that's where the car will go. Like, you just keep looking there, and then you're just going to drive there. Like, you're not going to be driving off the road if you're looking in the middle. So that's what they told me. It was really good advice. It's really true. Um, but I want to tell you about two times that um, I, I almost, oh, well, I did run off the road. I almost hit a mailbox, I think, twice. Um, so um, if you thought I was a great driver, I'm a lot better now. So anyway, when... Part of the father was, I don't know what building it was in, maybe the hotel. It was years ago. I was actually on my way to the church, and I was going to do nursery, and Amalia was with me in the car, and I think I was running late, so I just brought my dinner with me in the car. That's not a good idea. Um, I put it up on the, on the seat next to me, and I was driving. I pulled out of the driveway, and, this, and the spaghetti, it was spaghetti, of course, goes like sliding over, and I was like, no! So I like reached to grab it. And I like jerked the wheel because I'm like looking over here and um, I like ran into the ditch next to our yard. It was bad. Um, another time, my cousin, she had a stick shift and I was like, oh, stick shift, that's cool. I want to learn how to drive stick shift. So like, can you teach me? And so she was trying to teach me. She was driving me around the neighborhood. And you know, stick shift is hard because you have to focus on so many things at one time. You're focusing on the clutch, you're focusing on the gas pedal, changing the gears and driving. And I was like, this is a lot. So I, uh, I was so focused on pushing the clutch pedal and changing the gear at the right time that um, I almost hit a mailbox again. Um, <laughs> all that to say, I never drove a stick shift again. Um, and it's important where our focus is. Um, so really what I want to talk to you about today is where we are looking and the importance of where we are looking as far as how it affects our, our stability in life and our confidence. It affects everything. It affects the direction we go. You will, you will run off the road spiritually if you are not looking at Jesus. And um, I've seen that to be super true in my own life, and you'll hear a lot of stories today. Um, but it's, it's so important. It's so, so important where we're looking. Um, so if you guys will turn with me to Numbers 13. I know we don't go here very often, but we're going. So Numbers 13. Um, in this passage, the Israelites have been wandering in the wilderness for a little while. And they had been, you know, the Lord had delivered them miraculously out of Egypt. They were um, heading towards the promised land. And so at this passage, they, they actually get to Canaan, where, where is the promised land the Lord has told them he would give them. And so um, in verse 16, it says, or I'm sorry, verse 17 Moses sent them out to scout out the land of Canaan. So he's sending out the spies. And he said, he told them, go up this way to the Negev and then go up into the hill country. See what the land is like. 
and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. Is the land they live in good or bad? Are the cities they live in encampments or fortifications? Is the land fertile or unproductive? Are there trees in it or not? Be courageous, bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was the season for the first ripe grapes. So they went up and scouted out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Riob to, I don't know how to pronounce these names, guys. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see, verse, verse 23, when they came to the valley of Eshkol, they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes, which was carried on a pole by two men. Then they had some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the Valley of Eshkol because of the cluster of grapes that the Israelites cut there. So this was, this was huge. At the end of 40 days, they returned from scouting out the land. When the men went back to Moses, Aaron, and the entire Israelite community in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh, they brought back a report for them and the whole community, but they showed them the fruit of the land. They reported to Moses, we went into the land you sent us. Indeed, it is flowing with milk and honey, and here is some of its fruit. However, the people living in the land are strong, and the cities are large and fortified. We also saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites are living in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live by the sea and along the Jordan. And then Caleb quieted the people in the presence of Moses and said, we must go up and take possession of the land because we can certainly conquer it. When the spies went into the land, uh, they saw the milk and the honey, the goodness of the Lord. And what's interesting when I was looking at this passage is um, in verse 27, it says, it is indeed flowing with milk and honey. And back in Exodus 3.8, God told Moses, I, I have come to deliver the Israelites out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them into a land that is good and broad, a land flowing with milk and honey. And he, he even names like all the people groups who live there, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, like all the people that the spies just talked about. And that was God promising them, like, I am sending you to this land flowing with milk and honey. And in this passage, it's so interesting because they acknowledge that. They're like, yeah, this land is flowing with milk and honey. Like, this is the promise of God. But then they're like, but all these people live in the land, and they're huge. Like, you don't understand. They're like giants. Like, they're so big. And Caleb quiets the people and says, no, let's go conquer it. And then they come back, and they say in verse um, 31, we can't go up against the people because they're stronger than we are. So they gave a negative report to the Israelites the land we pass through to explore is one that devours its inhabitants, and all the people we saw in it are men of great size. We even saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. To ourselves, we seemed like grasshoppers, and we must have seemed the same to them. And it's so interesting to me because they see the promise of God, and they even repeat part of God's declaration from Exodus 3, but then they begin to doubt God because they see all the obstacles in the way. And they see the giants, and they see all of these different people groups that are stronger than them, and they're like, we look like grasshoppers. Like, they're giants, we're grasshoppers, this makes no sense. God promised us that, it looks good, but like, nah, we can't get it. And it, um, there's a Bible commentary I was reading, and it says that the, the spies, it says they did not give a negative cast to the words of faith that Caleb had spoken. They clearly said that God was not sufficient to bring the task to completion. And that struck me. I was like, wow, how many times in my life do I say God, God's not sufficient? Like he's, he's if I, I start to be afraid or intimidated by something, I'm like, oh, God's not really sufficient to take care of that. Um, and I feel like that's what they must have felt like. I mean, can you imagine Going into a land, and you're just like a people who have been wandering in a wilderness. You're not an army. And then you go into this huge land, and there's giants everywhere, and there's fortified cities. Like, I hope I would have responded differently, but I don't know. Um, so I think that we tend to do that with the promises of salvation from the Lord, um, forgiveness, sanctification, even the fruit of the Spirit, like walking in peace, we're like, 
I mean, let's be honest, 2020 has been a year. And uh, it's hard sometimes to, to think that no matter what it looks like, we can walk in peace and we can walk in joy and we can walk in confidence in the Lord because we think, well, yeah, but God, did you take into account that, like, the world is blowing up around us? Like, did you take into account that, like, there might be, like, a civil war in our nation? Like, who knows, you know? And um, so there, we must not actually be able to walk in peace. Like, yeah, you said, like, you don't ever have to be afraid, but, like, did you really mean that? Like, hmm. So that's been something the Lord has been really speaking to me about a lot. Um, do I actually believe the promises that God has given despite the giants in front of me? So when we start looking at the wrong thing like these spies did, they start focusing on the giants, it causes us a lot of issues. We start focusing on the wrong thing, and so we start driving off the road. It causes, obviously, a lot of fear, anxiety, stress, uh, being overwhelmed, even like depression, discouragement, anger. I'm not saying like we should never, we will never struggle with those things if our focus is on God, but it is, I think a lot of times the root of those issues, at least in my own life, comes from when I start looking at the wrong things. Because if I'm looking at God, the reality is we don't ever have to be afraid or anxious. Like the Lord said, I'm pretty sure it was like six, 365 times in the Bible, do not be afraid. And like we, I think a lot of times I don't believe that, that that's actually a reality I can live in. So when we start feeling all of these things, the stress, the anxiety, the anger, the discouragement, feeling overwhelmed, it causes, it, it can cause great discouragement and doubt and even rebellion. The, the Israelites, you can tell, they start getting afraid. They start hyping up like how big the giants are and they start even like, exaggerating a little bit maybe I don't know but they they start like getting really anxious you can tell and then they're like no we can't do it and so they decide to turn back and not go into the land and they said if only we had died in the land of Egypt or if only we had died in this wilderness why is the Lord bringing us into this land to die by the sword wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt let's appoint a leader and go back to Egypt It can cause us to abort the purposes of God for us. It was, it's interesting, it, it struck me really hard. The Lord had been dealing with me out of this passage a lot. It was like last year, and, um, and it struck, this verse struck me really hard. It's uh, chapter 14, verse 11. And the Lord is talking about how they, how they decided to rebel against him. They decided to turn back. And he said to Moses, how long will these people despise me? How long will they not trust in me, despite all the signs I have performed among them? And that really broke my heart, <laughs> because I was like, Lord, when I doubt you, I'm despising you. I'm despising what you've done in my life. I'm saying, ah, uh, like, you're really not great enough. Like, you're really not good enough. And how insulting to the Lord and how, like, the fact that he calls it despising him struck me really hard. And I was like, wow, okay, Lord, help me. Like, I don't want to despise you. Um, but it's true. Like, it's really true. It's a really a big deal to the Lord that we trust him. And when we, when we turn our focus on the Lord and we start looking at who he is, it, it keeps us from despising him because we see how great he is and how beautiful he is. But when we start focusing on our own issues or on the things in front of us like outside obstacles or in, inward obstacles, it actually ends up pulling us away from the Lord. When I start focusing on the things I'm afraid about, I can't focus on the Lord. Um, to be really honest, this week I felt like everything was coming against me, like, to pull my focus off the Lord. Like, I started getting, 
I've, you know, I've never really preached like this before, so I was really scared. And I felt like once I, when I started to focus on, like, those feelings of fear and, like, oh, man, I'm so scared, like, oh, I'm so overwhelmed and all this stuff, then, like, I couldn't focus on the Lord. Like, you can't focus on, you can't focus on your issues and focus on the Lord at the same time. And so I started to feel myself, like, in those moments when I'd start to get really overwhelmed by how I felt and start focusing on how I felt. I, like, I couldn't see the Lord, and I didn't want, I was like, it pulled me away from him. And so I was like, you know what? I'm not having this. So I would go in, and I would just sit at the piano, and I would just, like, start singing about how great God is. <laughs> and honestly, it changes things. Like, it really changes things. When you start to focus on the Lord, it brings your focus back to him. It brings your attitude back to him, and it brings things into alignment with the Lord. And it's worship. I'm telling you, worship is so powerful. It's, like, it's really true that worship is a weapon. But when we start to, you know, get all inward or get all outward, then it causes us, it, causes, it pulls us away from God. And then from that place, when we're not like walking really closely with the Lord and focusing on him, we turn off from like his path for us. And we, it causes us not to fill our, fulfill our purpose. Like the Israelites turning, they're like, nope, we're turning back. Like appoint us a new leader, we're, we're done. And um, I think sometimes we, we tend to feel that way in our life about a lot of things, honestly. So, what's what's the solution here? Um, I've talked about it a little bit, but and it's really simple, honestly. But the Lord has been teaching me a lot about focusing on Him, like, and that sounds really vague, and that sounds really like, duh. But I think sometimes we say, yeah, I'm focusing on the Lord, but we're actually trying to, like, figure it out on our own. And that's been really true of myself. It's really easy to say the right things and to say, like, Lord, I trust you. And, like, Lord, I'm looking at you. And, yeah, the Lord is great. The Lord's got it in control. But then we're like, yeah, but I have to figure out how to fix this. And, like, okay, what do I have to do to, like, make this happen and all this stuff. And then we start getting, like, all inward focused. And, and it, it messes with you. Um, there's a quote that I love. And it's by a, a pastor named Robert Murray McShane. And he says, for every look at yourself, take 10 looks at Christ. And I love it. I love it. For every one look at yourself, take 10 looks at Christ. And so it's not that we never have to do like an assessment of like where we're at with the Lord. I think that's healthy. But we can't rely on ourselves to deal with the issues that we're facing on our own. And um, so something that the Lord has been teaching me is I tend to get really discouraged about my own, my own self. Maybe it's an Enneagram one thing, but like I, <laughs> you know, but I'm, I'm just saying like I tend to focus on all my issues and be like, oh man, I have to improve in this area and that relationship's messed up, so I need to work hard on that. And this thing is like, man, I don't really love the Lord like I need to. And, man, I'm afraid, so I'm not really trusting God. Like, and I start getting discouraged about all of these things. And the Lord, one time, he kind of gently like, just told me, he was like, Carissa, the clay can't fix itself. Like, I'm the potter, you're the clay. So in order to get fixed, you need to just yield yourself to me. And I will fix you. <laughs> and I will, I tell you, that was so relieving. <laughs> I was like, okay, Lord, I can't, I can't fix this issue. I can't fix this relational issue I'm having and this anger I feel towards this person. And the Lord can come in and do those things. Like, I'm telling you, he does it. And it's beautiful. So I think sometimes we think, we tend to think, well, yes, I will ask God for help, but is that really going to do anything? Like, practically, this is how, how we think subconsciously. We're like, yeah, I'll ask God for help, but then we keep walking in fear and anxiety. And um, I think it's because we lose focus of who God is and how great he is and who, who he really has promised to be in our lives. There's a movie... Um, 
Prince Caspian. It's based on one of the Chronicles of Narnia, the books. And I, I really love the Chronicles of Narnia. I always have. But the, the movie, I think, makes a really, really interesting point. So there's this dwarf, if you don't know the story. His name is Trumpkin. And he's like, he's kind of skeptical type person. And in, in this part of the story, there's the Prince Caspian who's trying to regain the throne in Narnia because he's been like, he's been usurped by his like evil uncle. And so the, this evil uncle has this huge army and they're really well fortified and they have like, you know, everything under control, it seems like. And then there's this little Narnian army that's like struggling to pull itself together. And in the movie, they make this really bad choice and they go and attack the castle and they end up losing like half of their army. And so it's like this little teeny tiny army and they're struggling against this huge army that's marching out against them. And so they get desperate and they send Lucy, who's like the youngest um, girl, into the woods to find Aslan, who's the lion, the son of the emperor over the sea. And Trumpkin, he's so skeptical and he's like, oh, so that's your next big plan? You're sending a little girl into the darkest place, parts of the forest alone? And that, that struck me. That must have been how the Israelites felt. Oh God, that's your next big plan? Sending the grasshoppers against the giants? Great one! <laughs> like, that'll work. Um, or like David and Goliath, like, oh, you're sending the little guy with three stones against like the giant? <laughs> um, but it's, it's, that actually is like the plan. You know, according to the Bible, it says God uses the foolish things to astound the wise. And I think sometimes we think that's too simple. Like, it's too simple to actually rely on God to, for, the, for the practical things in my life that need to be fixed. Um, but it's true, and it, it really works. Sometimes, uh, even in prayer, we don't really have confidence that God will answer, at least... Sometimes it feels like that in the way we talk about it because we'll say things like, well, man, I wish there was more I could do, but all I can do is pray. Or we'll say things like, man, like, I really wish I could help you. Like, well, I guess I can just pray for you. Like, and, and we make it sound like, oh, well, that's a fail. But like, I, I, like, at least I'm thinking about you. But no, like, I think we don't realize. I was talking to my grandma one time when she was still alive, and she was so funny. She gets super feisty about some things. And this is one of those moments, and she was like, I just get so upset when people say things like that. She's like, do we not realize, like, what prayer is? Do we not realize, like, God, like, that's so wrong when we say, oh, all I can do is pray. And that, that stuck with me. I was like, wow, that's so true. Because if we're, if we have the mentality of all we can do is pray, then we're actually being like, well, if I could do something physically, then, like, that would make a difference, but, like, God can't. And that's really convicting to me. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think we, we tend to think, oh, if I could do something, it would matter, but God, who actually made me, can't do anything. And so I just want my confidence in the Lord and in prayer to, <laughs> to grow. Um, so my encouragement is to, to turn your focus to the Lord. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what you're discouraged about. I don't know what overwhelms you or what makes you afraid. I don't know what frustrates you, makes you want to pull your hair out. But I just encourage you to begin to turn it into a conversation with the Lord and actually believe that he's going to do what his word says. And actually believe that when he says that none of those who ever look to him will be disappointed, that he means that. The Lord has answered, has started showing me like how he answers really simple prayers. And it's been really cool. A couple years ago, it's like four years ago, I was on study abroad for... Uh, for college and we went to Italy and it was really cool we were in this small group of people and we were in this tiny space 
So it was like we were all stuck on this little campus with like three buildings, and it was really tight quarters, and we were in the middle of nowhere. So it's not like you could just like walk away and like get away from everyone. Like everyone was there, and you're always up in each other's business, which was great because it built good community, but at the same time, you, you get real annoyed with people real fast. And so there was this one girl that I just struggled. I struggled hard. Like, I was like, man, she's just so frustrating. Everything in her personality is opposite of mine. Like, it just, oh, like, it made me so upset. Like, just, she annoyed me really bad. And just being honest. And uh, so I was like, Lord, okay, Lord. I remember I was sitting up on my bunk bed at night, and I was praying about this. And I was like, Lord, I know that you want me to love her. But uh, I'm really annoyed at her. And I can't change that. Like, I can't change my heart. I can't produce love in myself. Like, Lord, would you do it? Like, I, I know that you can do it. So will you just, like, change my heart and help me to love her? And I don't know how, and I don't really know when. But something shifted in my heart. And the Lord really did genuinely put love in my heart for her. And it just was like, wow. The Lord actually does those little things that we can't do in ourselves, Like, he, he's able to do even the little things. Like, we turn to him, you know, in emergencies and stuff, but even in those little things, it's, it's really beautiful. And I've learned that focusing on the Lord is a really big key for when we're going through really hard stuff, too. Um... Most of my life, I would say, one of my biggest weaknesses and the things I've struggled with the most has been um, just, like, fear. And I don't really know how to describe it. It's kind of like, like really strong intimidation from the enemy and this, like, deep anxiety that I can't shake and get rid of. And it makes no sense because it's really not about anything. And it's just like I, can, I could just feel, like, this demonic fear that comes over me sometimes. And I've just struggled hard with that. And it'll, like, send me in a tailspin because then I'll start, like, thinking about it and I'll be like, oh, man, like, how do I get out of this? And, like, what am I afraid about? And then, like, I start focusing on all this stuff and being like, ah, oh, like, this is so hard and why do I feel this way? And is there something wrong with me because I feel this way? And I would, like, start spinning, like, going in circles and going in circles and going in circles and I could never get out. And there was this one time when I was on vacation, and this is the worst time for me to get, you know, scared or things like that. And there was just this horrible, horrible fear. Like, something had come up with one of our friends, and, like, it just something, it just triggered something in me. And I was just, I was so out of it. And it made me want to, like, withdraw and not be around anyone. I was like, I just feel so awful. And I couldn't shake it. And so I was talking to the Lord. I was praying, and I was trying to, you know, I was like, Lord, you've got to help me. Like, and the Lord told me something that I've never forgotten. Um, he said, Carissa, you only have to listen to my voice. And it freed me. Like, it's so simple, but it really freed me in so many ways. Like, I start listening to all the fears and all the lies that start spinning in my head, and I'm like, oh, I'll never get out of this. I'm going to be in this fear forever. I will, I will never, you know, be able to I don't know, something's wrong with me. And I start listening to all these lies. But the Lord's like, no, no, no. Like, just block those out. Like, you don't have to answer those lies. You don't have to have an answer for them. You don't have to know everything. You just have to listen to my voice. And if I'm not saying it, you don't need to listen to it. And so I started just to focus in on the Lord. Lord, what are you saying? Okay, Lord, what is, what is the truth? Like, what does your word say? And started, like, asking the Lord, like, those kind of questions and and the Lord says in his word, the Holy Spirit is the revealer of truth. That's his job. That's what he does. And so I said, would you reveal truth to me in this moment? Like, what, what's the truth right now? And, this, you know, and so I started asking the Lord things like that and started being like, no, I'm not going to listen to these fears and these lies. And I'm not saying I never struggle. I definitely do. But it's, it's been super freeing to be like, no, I'm going to focus on the Lord and only listen to his voice. I don't need to listen to the voices of the giant screaming at me. I don't need to listen to the voices of the world saying this is how things are going to go or something's wrong with you because this and, or 
that, you know? And so I only have to listen to the voice of the Lord. And that's been so freeing. The Lord, he's so faithful. And he, he never, like his word never comes back void. It's never, never not true. It, it always is true. And we can take him at his word. And so I, I think a key even to learning how to focus on the Lord is training our habits and training um, ourselves in the little things to start looking to him. Like the Lord has been teaching me that. Like in the really simple things, what am I depending on? What am I looking to? Why am I stressed out about little things? Like I, I need to focus on the Lord. And a really big key for that is beholding who Jesus is. And Jesus is his word. So if we want to know the truth, we ask the Holy Spirit and we read the word. And that's how we find out who God is. And that's how we know, okay, Lord, you said this about yourself, so I'm going to believe it no matter what lies that the enemy is telling me. Or I'm going to believe it no matter what I'm feeling like in this moment. Or I'm going to believe it no matter what the world and the news is saying right now. And we can, we can rely on Jesus and on who he is. And he is his word. It's about training our habits when we face a situation. It's kind of like when you're trying to change the way you're eating or your diet. It's really hard, honestly, to go like hardcore, like, all right, I'm going from eating all this junk food to not eating any. Like, it's really hard. So when I wanted to start eating healthier, I started like changing little things. I was like, okay, well, I can at least cut, you know, bread out at dinner or I can, you know, not eat dessert every night and things like that. And so, like, you start doing little things and little things and baby steps and baby steps. And before you know it, like, your lifestyle has changed. And it's the same way with our walk with the Lord. You know, it's, it's the same thing. We, we read the word. We start training ourselves. Okay, I'm going to, all right, I'm feeling this way. All right, Lord, um, what, are, what are you saying about it? And you start in the little things, just asking the Lord. Start turning to him. Start trying to remember verses that you read in your devotions, try to just start, like, turning your mind to him. When, when the fears come, just start tra retraining your habit and your, your automatic response. Like, when those things come at you, what is your default? And I think that we train our own default by forming habits in our life of what, what we turn and focus on. So when we focus on Jesus instead of on our weaknesses and instead of the strength of the giants... It's pretty amazing. Um, it combats the fear and the discouragement with hope. Like Joshua and Caleb, they, it's, it's really cool, their, their response. They said, uh, in chapter 14, they say, The land that we passed through and explored is an extremely good land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us into this land a land flowing with milk and honey, and give it to us. Only don't rebel against the Lord, and don't be afraid of the people of the land, for we will devour them. Their protection has been removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. And they, they were so focused on who was with them. They were focused on the Lord being with them, not on their own strength to conquer the giants, not on the grasshoppers versus the giants. They were focused on Jesus versus the giants, and He's way greater. And so that brought so much hope. And hope and, and fear are really contagious. And so I, I like really want in my life to, to be a carrier of hope, Some, someone who tells, tells a testimony about Jesus. You know, all of our attitudes say something about who we believe God to be. And when we're afraid, it says that we don't think he's enough. And when we have hope, it says uh, he's greater than anything. And I really want that to be my attitude. When we focus on Jesus, we overcome. That is how we fight our battles. That is how the Lord, he, when we rely on him, he always does. Like over and over and over and over again in scripture. It's just astounding. 
How many times they like cry out to the Lord and the Lord answered them. And they cried out to the Lord and the Lord answered them. Even in the Psalms, it's like over and over again, David's like, and I cried out to the Lord and he heard me and he answered me. And I cried out to the Lord. And so our power to overcome comes when we rely on the Lord. And that is where our stability comes from. And I think the last thing I want to talk about that's um, a result of focusing on Jesus is worship. I've been thinking a lot about worship in the last couple of months um, as it relates to the arts, actually, because we're hoping to kind of get an arts group together here. And so, yes, stay tuned. Um, <laughs> but uh, I've been thinking a lot about worship as it relates to art, and so like art as worship and all these things. And the Lord's just been speaking to me a lot about worship and how true worship really only comes when we focus on the Lord and when we see him. We can't worship like God when we don't see him, when we don't know who he is. And so like when we see, when we behold God in his majesty, it, it makes us, it causes fear of the Lord. But from that place, we actually feel safe like with him. Because he's so great, and he's so majestic, and like he's worked so many wonders, and he's done so many amazing things. Like that's how great he is. It strikes awe in us, but also like worship. And um, I think one of the things that the enemy likes to do is distract our focus. And so he'll start, he'll try to pull our focus on all these other things and start to get us thinking about all these other issues. Oh, you haven't, you, like, you need to deal with this and this and this in your life, or you need to, you know, like, or like all these fears of this is what's coming against you. And um, I think distraction, I heard someone say this, and I think it's so true that distraction is one of the enemy's main tactics to keep us from worship. And I think that it's so true because when we don't behold Jesus and we're so distracted by all the, all the other things, we, we can't really worship him. Um, when we're so distracted by entertainment that we don't spend time with him, how can we know him to be able to worship him? I'm, it's... I think it's interesting because a lot of times we want to try to numb ourselves by distracting ourselves from our feelings and we'll turn to like, oh, well, I'm feeling stressed, so I guess I'll watch a movie to like help me. And the reality is that it never deals with the issue and it ends up distracting us even more from the Lord. Um, and we can't, we can't worship the Lord from that place. But when we when we focus on Jesus and we, we take that issue and we're saying, okay, like I'm feeling so stressed out. I just want to go like binge watch a show. Like I just want to escape from this. Um, I've the Lord has been teaching me to go to him with those issues and be like, okay, I really want to just run from these feelings right now. I'm I'm a person who really my natural tendency is to suppress my emotions. So I've been learning not to do that, but it's really easy to just be, all right, I want to suppress this. Let's, I'm just going to watch a movie or like I'm just going to try to tune this out, try to fill up my time with other things so that I don't think about how I feel and I can escape it. But that actually just makes it bubble up and bubble up and bubble up until it explodes. And it never deals with the issue. And so I'd encourage you when you feel overwhelmed and you want to just like escape, um, take it to the Lord and just be really honest with him about how you feel and let him deal with the issues that are inside of you. Um, and it's so freeing. It's so freeing and so beautiful because then instead of just trying to numb yourself and suppress something, you get that poison out of you and the Lord fills you with his joy. Like it's, it's a real thing that the Lord has been showing me over and over and over again. He's so faithful. So, um, yes, look at the Lord, and that is our springboard for worship. There's a, a quote by Corey Ten Boom that I love, and she, if you don't know who she is, she lived during the Holocaust. She actually ended up being a prisoner of war in one of the Nazi prison camps, um, 
she really lived through hell. Um, and it, it's amazing that she would say this because <laughs> she says, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at Christ, you'll be at rest. And if she could be at rest in Christ in the middle of a war camp, how much more can we be at rest in our lives with the little things that we face every day? Sometimes it doesn't mean that our situation or circumstances change. Sometimes it's no different than like what we see other people in the world going through, or sometimes it's worse than that. But what is different is whose hand we've entrusted ourselves into. And does our response to these situations say, yeah, we really aren't any different than everyone else, and the power of God is a lie? Or does it say, no, my, my God, he's greater. And it struck me this week while I was studying this, I was like, man, I want... I want my response to these things to be, to, to be worship. Like when some big thing comes against me, I'm going to be like, hey, guess what? My God's greater than that. And I want that to be like a springboard for worship. Like it, nothing is greater than God. So no matter what big thing is coming against you, it can just remind you of the greatness of God because he's greater than that thing. And if you think that thing's great, just think how great God is. And so I was like, man, I want to worship God when things come against me. I want to worship God when I'm like, having a, you know, a hard time with something, because um, my God is bigger than that. So, um, Jaden, you want to come on up? Um, so, would someone be able to get this podium? Thanks. I'm going to do a, a scripture piece for you. It's um, it's just memorized and dramatized a little bit. And it's taken from Exodus, and it's right after the Israelites have left Egypt. And so the Lord just miraculously delivered them out of Egypt. And he, uh, you know, he worked all these miracles and did all these signs and wonders and sent the plagues on Egypt, and then they released them. They send them out. They're like, please leave us. Like, we don't want any more of this. Please go. And so the Israelites are marching out triumphantly. And at this point uh, is where this story comes in. So you all know it, but I just want us to remind ourselves of who the Lord is through this story. I want you to think of this God being the God in your life and the God who sees every single thing that you're dealing with. And who's greater than it all. And I want it to be, I want us to worship God through his word today. So, um, here we go. You ready? Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi-hi-haroth between Migdal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea, directly opposite Baal-Zephon. Pharaoh will think, the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and thought, what have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots, along with all of the other chariots of Egypt, with officers over all of them. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord, 
And they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us here in the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us up out of Egypt? Didn't, didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered them, Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance that the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians that you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the waters so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the angel of God who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other, so neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, during the night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, so the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a, with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud on the Egyptian army and threw them into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving. The Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites, for the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak, the sea returned to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The waters flowed back over the chariots and horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them survived. But the Israelites crossed through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day, the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. When the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians. The people feared the Lord, and they put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My Father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. 
the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up, the deep waters stood up like a wall, the surging waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue, I will overtake them, I will divide the spoils, I will gorge myself on them, I will draw my sword, and my hand will destroy them. You blew with your breath, and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your holiness and your majesty. Thank you for your faithfulness, God, and your kindness that pursues us and chases us down. God, you overwhelm me with your goodness and your faithfulness every day. Lord, help us to see you. Help us to trust you, God, to know that you're greater than any possible thing we could ever face, Lord. You are our stability. You are our confidence. You are our glory. You are our delight. Lord, we want, we want to testify of your greatness, Lord, by how we carry ourselves, by how we talk about things, how we interact with people. We want to testify that Jesus is greater than all of it. <laughs> that nothing compares to him, that he's worth more than anything else. Lord, would you come and would you help us? Would you come and change our habits and our, our defaults? We love you, Jesus. That's all I have for you, but the worship team wants to you guys want to sing another song or if you guys just want to pray for a little bit and Jaden play um, I just encourage you whatever it is that has been agitating you or making you afraid or overwhelmed I just want us to bring those things to the Lord and ask him to show us who he is in light of those things because we can't make ourselves just trust the Lord like that. You can't do that. But the Lord can. And he can show us who he is so that we trust him. So... <laughs> 